Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Thursday, July the 13th, 2023. It is currently 8.09 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, as you are very aware of, this is a podcast, okay? You can you can tell this is a podcast. You are not here listening to me in person, right? You are, you may be outside, you may be inside, you may be at your home, you may be at work, you may be in a car, a city bus. Who knows where you may be, what you may be doing. I, I don't know where you may be. You could be anywhere doing anything, but you're cur- you obviously are not here in person. Now, if I was to turn on this microphone, say, open your Bibles and teach a text of scripture, preach a sermon, would that teaching, would that preaching have the same impact coming to you via this microphone from this studio while you're sitting wherever you are? Would it have the same impact or does it lose some impact? When it comes to the preaching and teaching of God's word, the only way for it to really have meaningful impact is you have to listen to it in person. Or is there any difference? Is there any difference? Do you need to listen to sermons in person? Now, churches for a very long time have been broadcasting their sermons based on the technology available, right? Radio. Different ministries, different churches broadcasted their sermons on radio. Then from radio, TV. From TV, the internet. I mean, people have been doing that for... Wait, we could go even before radio. Think about this. Even before radio, even before TV, many, uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon's very famous for this. His sermons were published. They were printed. They were put in print format. So whatever, whatever technology is avail- available, people have used it. Print, well, put my sermons in print. Uh, radio, we'll put them on radio. Television. Now, has did that... Is that a good thing or a bad thing? When it comes to preaching, do people really need to be in person? Now, the reason a lot of these discussions have been going on recently is obviously after the COVID situation. Well, a lot of people weren't attending churches during the COVID pandemic. They were staying at home. And many churches who never bothered to broadcast their sermons online or to put them online all of a sudden felt they had to. So now almost every church, their sermons are online. So that means a lot of people are like, well, you know, then I'll just stay at home. Well, then churches are like, whoa, 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 wait, we can't have that. That can negatively impact our church. We can't stay in business. We've got to get them back to the pew. So obviously there is a, (laughs) there's a self-preservation involved in trying to get people back to the pew. But just from a very pragmatic standpoint, does it really matter? Now, I remember, I don't remember how long ago I turned on this very microphone. I, I think even, I may have been broadcasting actually from Victory Baptist Church. So it may have not been this microphone and it may not have been in this studio, but I turned on a microphone and I asked all the listeners of the Theology Central podcast, tell me in your Christian life, what has influenced you the most? What has helped you grow the most spiritually? What has discipled you? What has taught you? How have you grown in your understanding of God's word? And not one person emailed me and said, my local church. They were all like internet, books, Bible study guides, devotional guides, podcasting, YouTube, whatever the case. Not one person said local church. Not one person. Not one person. I was shocked by that. Now, I know that's not a scientific study. I know I know that that's not a lot of people who answered, but it was still quite a few. And I was expecting at least to be about a 50-50 split. Oh, my local church, my local church. That's where I learned. That's where I grew. No, everyone was like online, podcasting, internet, sermons, sermon audio, YouTube, the Edify Christian podcast, whatever the case may be. 
So honestly, like just just setting aside, I'm not I'm not talking about biblical theological issues just from a very pragmatic standpoint. Do, do you see a difference? Now, the reason I'm asking this question is obviously because I have an article that's raising this question, right? And this is from the Gospel Coalition, the gospelcoalition.org. I have been using a lot of their articles recently. On July the 13th, 2023, that would be, ladies and gentlemen, today. So I, I need to do this. Hot off the presses, hot off the presses. Does, does that does that make it sound really cool? I'm ripping this paper into shreds. Right? Does that does that do that probably you don't care? Obviously it's not paper, and obviously it's not hot off the presses. It's on my iPad, okay, but I really can't make any cool sound with my iPad, all right? They posted a sermon in their ministry section entire or they posted a sermon. They posted an article at the gospelcoalition.org in the ministry section entitled why we need to hear sermons in person why we need to hear sermons in person now if we were in person if you were in front of me church or a classroom of some sort i possibly would have you take out a piece of paper and a pencil and write down four reasons why you think we need to hear sermons in person or at least come up with four like even if you disagree come up with the four best reasons you can think of of why we must hear sermons in person now i think there's a little bit of self-preservation in this right churches are like we got to get people back look i know it i know it like there was a time in the history of my church sunday school sunday morning sunday night Wednesday, the exact same crowd. We had no drop off. Or if it was, it was very few. Now, just the difference between Sunday school and Sunday morning. It's like, what, what happened? We can't get people to show up to Sunday school or, or Sunday morning is different than Sunday night. And, so, and then Wednesday, and it's like, we can't get a consistent number to all services. It's, it's had, and it has a profound impact on a very, very little church, on a very little church. It's like you're, like you start thinking, maybe we just get rid of Sunday school. Maybe we just get rid of Wednesday night. Like you start thinking that way because you're like, what, what, what can we do? Maybe if I say we're only open one hour a week, everyone would show up for that one hour. Maybe, maybe that would work. Uh, but yeah, it, it has a profound impact. The, the, the survival of a church. Now, now, here's what people often forget. Well, I'll just listen online. I mean, technically, you have a million choices. But if everyone listens online and nobody tends church and nobody is giving money, your, your favorite ministry won't exist. I mean, you know what? Like my church, if, if we don't have the money, there's a high probability. I don't know if this podcast exists. Right. Like, so, so I think a lot of people now, because so much content is available, I think a lot of people just kind of take it for granted. I grab my phone, boom, there's all, all the content I want. Yeah. But if you don't support it, I'm telling you, it's going to go away. I'm just, I'm just like, it takes money. It takes money to have the computer, the microphone, the internet connection to, to all the, you know, it's, it's not, free to be on Spreaker. It's not free to be on Sermons 2.0. It's not free to do all of that stuff. It costs well over $100 a month for us, well over $100 a month to do everything that we try to do, well over that. So like, so, but I, so I can understand that there's a motivation to kind of say, hey, people, you need to be here. Hey, you need to be here because I think at least in many churches, you have a far greater chance of money coming in on a consistent basis if people are actually sitting there. Now, I don't know. On, a lot of online ministries do well financially. I don't know. You've you got to have a better marketing strategy, probably. Who knows? Or you monetize your podcast. I mean, those kinds of things. So I understand that there's a very pragmatic approach to, man, we need people here. One, because... If, if you don't have enough people, what do you do? And, you know, like, how do you maintain the service? Do you get rid of the service? Like, you're trying to figure out what to do. If people don't show up and give, you don't have money. You don't have money. Ministries have to start being cut. It's that simple. And what's, I mean, if you're, if you're talking about the survival of a local church, what's going to go first? 
It's going to be the internet ministry. Unless the internet ministry is bringing in money, you're going to cut that to, ma- to then take all the resources to maintain the physical location. So there is a very much a money element here that I don't want to deny. Look, you, we can always try to, I'm just trying to be blunt and honest here because within Christianity, we do have a tendency to always spiritualize everything, right? Hey, we're getting ready for to have a potluck. Why? Because we need fellowship. We, it's a spiritual thing, a spiritual benefit by everyone getting together and shoving food in their mouth. It's great fellowships. If you call it fellowship, then it's not just hanging out and eating food, talking about the weather. There's something spiritual going on. Hey, we're not going to have church this Sunday evening. We're going to have our annual summer picnic because it's fellowship. It's a time of, see, we, we, we can make it sound spiritual, no matter how just everyday and fleshly it is. Well, within the church, it's very easy to say that we're doing this because of spiritual reasons, because we want to, you know, we want to get people to join the church because we're trying to reach more people. But in many cases, you're trying to make make sure the church survives. You need money. You need people. So it's always hard sometimes to draw that distinction. So I think we have to at least acknowledge there is a money survival element to this entire question. But let's see how the Gospel Coalition approaches it. Again, the article is entitled, Why We Need to Hear Sermons in Person. I don't know which direction they're going to go. I haven't even read it yet. I like to do this in real time. It's more fun. Sometimes I'm like, oh, wait, they went a completely different direction. But it's always fun to see. And it's a good question, though. All right, so here we go. Uh, Underneath it, there's a picture of people sitting in pews. And they're obviously listening to a sermon. All right, here we go. A new survey by the Pew Research Center finds that about a quarter of U.S. adults regularly watch religious services online. So about a quarter of U.S. adults on a regular basis watch religious services online. The most common reasons Americans give for watching religious services online or on TV are convenience and safety. That's interesting. Around 43% of regular viewers cite convenience as a major reason, and an additional 31% describe it as a minor reason. Another 49% of viewers cite personal safety as a reason. Does it matter whether people hear sermons in person, at church, or in private on a computer screen. Now, I think probably they would, I think they would be watching probably on their phone or mobile device, maybe on a computer. I don't know how many people have computers anymore, but okay, I digress. Why are sermons delivered the way they are as an oral presentation before a public audience at a particular time and location? After all, there are numerous means by which the same information could be transmitted. A pastor could email the text of his sermon to people to be read at their leisure. He could, as many had to do during the pandemic, pre-record the sermon in in private and distribute it to be watched later. Should Should these other methods be considered equally valid? Is it merely a matter of personal preference or established prejudice in favor of verbal presentation on Sunday morning. Some people believe there's nothing lost by sermons being delivered outside of public preaching at a gathering of a local church. But much is missed when the sermon isn't heard live, in person, and with other Believers. So some people believe there's nothing lost by sermons being d- delivered outside of public preaching and, and, uh, and outside a gathering of a local church. Some people believe nothing is lost, but they say, but much is missed. They're saying it in a dogmatic way, but much is missed when the sermon isn't heard live in person and with other believers. Now, 
I'm just going to ask you personally. I want you to think about it in your Christian life. Think of the teaching that has most impacted you. Most impacted you. The sermons that you remember. How many were preached at your local church and how many of those sermons that really impacted you were your spiritual? How much of it is found? Well, man, I was listening to that pastor. I tell you the story of my early Christian life, right? I don't think I remember one sermon preached in the entire time I attended First Baptist Church, Tuscola, Texas. I don't think I remember one sermon. I don't think I remember one sermon that was ever preached at Our Savior Lutheran Church when I was a Lutheran. But I remember lots of sermons that was preached on my afternoon routine. Everybody remember what it was? I would come home. I had three notebooks. One was Chuck Smith, Calvary Chapel. One was Charles Swindoll, Insight for Living. The other one was John MacArthur. And I filled those notebooks up other than to Chuck Smith. I never, the joke is I never, that those, that notebook remained empty because for some reason me and Chuck Smith did not connect. I, I, I don't know what it was, but I, my note, those notebooks were filled with MacArthur and Swindoll. And I remember so many of those sermons, so many sermons, studies of this book or this passage or this sub, uh, subject, Swindoll's God's Masterwork. Oh, what an amazing series that was. Uh, I remember some of John MacArthur's Old Testament sermons where he's typically known more for his New Testament. I remember some of those. Oh, I, I could go on and on and on. I mean, like that was, had a profound, that's what I remember. Now, that was not my local church. Those were not live. Those were not in person. Those were, I know, dating myself back in the olden days, radio. And then when the internet Oh, I will never forget the early stages of the internet. I'm like, wait a minute. I can listen to sermons. I can, oh, because I used to try to record all the sermons off the radio. I was like, this is the greatest thing that's ever occurred in the history of mankind. I could listen to sermons 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I can remember listening to sermons. James Montgomery Boyce. I mean, uh, Skip Heidzig from Calvary. I could just go on and Jay Vernon McGee. I mean, I can on and on and on and on and on and on. It was like they were all available to me. They seem to say, wait a minute. No, no, no. You Something is, I'm going to read the statement again. Their exact words are this. Much is missed. When the sermon isn't heard live, in person, and with other believers. Now, then they have a heading here. Everyone knows that everyone knows. Then underneath that, let's focus on one of the most overlooked factors. An essential function of a sermon is overcoming coordination problems through the production of common knowledge. All right, let me read that again. All right, are you, are you tracking this? Let's focus on one of the most overlooked factors. An essential function of a sermon is overcoming coordination problems through the production of common knowledge. We're going to need the next paragraph to see if this makes any sense. A coordination problem is when an individual needs or wants to participate in a group action but wants or needs others to participate too and in a similar way. Consider, for example, a church choir that's planning to sing a new hymn at the upcoming Sunday service. Everyone in the choir benefits if they all sing the same hymn at the same time. This would result in harmonious music that enhances the worship service. However, there are multiple hymns that could that they could choose to sing, and each choir member's choice of hymn to practice depends on what she expects the others to practice. This is a coordination problem because all choir members gain if they coordinate. They produce beautiful music together, but they need to align their choices which hymn to sing. If they fail to coordinate and everyone practices a different hymn, the result will be a discordant mix of songs during the service which is less than ideal for everyone involved. Are you following this? I'm trying to follow this. How would this translate to the church and sermons? Okay, all right. Let me see here. 
right? If they fail to coordinate and everyone practices a, uh, a different hymn, the result will be a discordant mix of songs during the service, which is less than ideal for everyone involved, right? Here we go. Here's the next paragraph. What's needed to solve the choir problem is the situation of common knowledge. Not only does everyone know some information, but they also know that everyone else knows the information. The coordination problem with hymns can be easily solved by having the music director inform the choir what hymn will be sung. Then everyone would know that everyone else also knows what hymn to sing. Now they're going to apply this to the sermon. In a similar way, the sermon serves as a method of distributing common knowledge to a local body of believers. As a, as a community, the local church has a coordination problem. What do we focus our attention and effort on this week as a congregation? The sermon is a biblically ordained method of focusing the attention of effort of a community whose faith and hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ and the particular element of the sermon that, that does this application. Okay, I'm sorry. This is complete. I completely, I, I'm almost laughing at myself. You really think you preach a sermon on Sunday and the congregation remembers anything by next Sunday that they go home all week and talk about the sermon and review the sermon and remember the main elements of the sermon and look at the tech. Give me a break. Okay, I'm sorry. Look, maybe this happens in your church. I, I have not, the thing that has driven me cr absolutely has just blown my mind my entire Christian life is just how quickly the sermon is completely dismissed and forgotten. There's been all kinds of studies that talk about that most of the congregation, most of the sermon is completely forgotten. You preach it Sunday morning by Sunday night. If you ask basic review questions, you'll be shocked at how much is just already gone. By Wednesday, 80, 90% of the sermon doesn't even exist in their minds. And by the following Sunday, it's pretty much 100%. If they have their notes, they may be able to look. But if you say, keep your notes closed. Last Sunday, what was the text of my sermon? Sometimes what's fascinating is you've been in the same book for four years and you ask and they're like, I don't know. You're like, we've been in first Corinthians for four years. How do you not know? Right? And you want to lose your mind. Okay. Yeah. I'm getting, I'm getting fired up. That is ridiculous. Hey, we can, we can fix this coordination pro uh, problem because see, the sermon delivers common knowledge. And then that tells everyone what to focus on for the entire week. Give me a break. Maybe I'm too jaded. Maybe I am too negative. I don't believe people remember anything. You can, it, it used to drive me crazy. You could have a sermon on, say, Sunday morning and maybe Sunday evening. Uh, we're, you know, you're not going to have evening service or whatever they're going to do because we're going to have a potluck or we're going to do some kind of fellowship. You get to get, you go to the fellowship and you start trying to have anyone engage in a meaningful conversation about the sermon. Now, the only time this is different, if there was a bunch of guys who are considering going into the ministry, possibly they want to go to Bible college or seminary, those men typically would still be talking about the sermon. But it's just your average lay person. They're not talking about the sermon. They get it. They've already forgotten about the sermon. That is just, that is just, I do not believe that. I don't believe that. And not only that, for some of us, yeah, we may remember the sermon on Sunday, but by Thursday, I've already listened to 15, 20 different sermons from 15, 20 different sources, read who knows how many other different books on theology or the Bible or whatever. That is, so there's a coordination problem that has to be overcome in the church. And the only way to do this is to preach it in person. And then everyone in the congregation gets common knowledge. And then they all know this is what we're supposed to focus on all week. I mean, I, 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 I have tried to kill myself as a pastor saying, okay, this year we'll focus on this. Hey guys, read this. Hey, do this. Hey, here's a Bible study. I've tried to get everyone on the same page to read the same thing, discuss this. I do it with the Bible study exercise on the podcast. 
Yeah, I <laughs> I do not believe that. Maybe I am wrong. Maybe you can tell me, all of you who go to church, like how does everyone when they leave church like I'm this week, I'm going to spend my week meditating, checking my notes, considering it, rereading those passages. So by next Sunday, you could you could see them before church starts. Hey, so what did you think about last Sunday's sermon? Oh, I thought this was good and this was good. I can't wait to see how this fits with last Sunday. Come on now. Now that sounds that sounds like a, a, a utopia. That sounds like a world I want to go find. Okay. Oh man. All right. So, all right. I don't even know what to say. So then the next sermon application is for congregations. All right. Here, this is what they say. As Michael Lawrence has helpfully explained, a sermon unapplied is no sermon at all, but merely a Bible lecture. The test of sermon applicability, as Ben Aubrey has said, is this. Does it convince the mind move the emotion, affections, convict the conscience, and gain a verdict of the hearer's will so that the biblical truth preached in the sermon becomes the hearer's personal agenda for their daily lives. A sermon isn't given to a generic individual, though, but to a specific body of believers. So they say, hey, the reason you got to do this in person is because the application is given to a specific body of believers and then they have to apply it. But give me a break. First of all, I have applied countless online sermons to my life. I don't see like, oh, wait, I can't apply this to my life. It was a sermon online. It was it was a podcast. I, I wasn't in person like Oh, it's a, it's a Christian book. I can't apply that. Like, where is that? And, and who says the application is any better because it's given to a specific body of believers? Oh, I do agree that sometimes when you're the pastor, you may apply it in a certain way because you think it's more applicable to the people in front of you. But you also got to be careful in doing that because if you get too specific, it feels like then you're singling out or attacking specific people within the church. And yet that's not the right place to do that from the pulpit. The effectiveness of a sermon relies on the network of hearers. Do you believe the effectiveness of a sermon relies on the network of hearers? I'm just going to be honest. Like in my early Christian life, I didn't, I didn't feel like there was a network of hearers. I listened to the sermon and I went home and, and, and either took the notes and tried to do something with it or study more or do, or look something up. Or I, I would, I, 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 there was no one I was talking to. There was like no one. If the people in the congregation know each other, and interact with each uh, with one another, not a given in the age of the mega church. Their relationships can change through the shared experience of listening to the sermon. The audience's action following a sermon create positive externalities, as Kevin Similar says. Or uh, yeah, Kevin Similar says, meaning one person internalizing the sermon's message benefits others. So if I internalize the message, I benefit someone else. Who? Who am I benefiting? Because I guess supposedly after church, we're going to stay in contact and we're going to talk sermons and we're going to talk theology. Give me a break. Now, I do know that I made it my mission early on. That I would call my pastor every Monday. This was a pretty common practice. There was a practice. I, 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 I carried this practice out my whole Christian life until I became a pastor. Is that every Monday, I would call my pastor and say, hey, I really was convicted by this. I really like this. I didn't understand this. And, and, and sometimes even I, even if I would just find something, even if I didn't have anything. Because I wanted that pastor to know, hey, man, I was listening. I took notes. And I care. Like, I, I just thought that that was just a way to respect the, the person speaking. So I've always tried to, I did that before I was ever a pastor. 
Because it was like, man, someone studied and then they're standing there preaching. I want them to know, man, I care. I benefit because I wanted them to be encouraged. Now, if I look back at my Christian life, how many phone calls I've gotten about a sermon? Give me. A, usually if I get a phone call, someone's getting ready to complain, argue, or getting ready to leave the church. If, if you get the phone call, hey, pastor, I need to talk to you. Oh, it's over. It's over. It, they, they, don't, they didn't like the sermon. They didn't like something. Or they are out on their way out. Now, there's been a few times I've been called. So I won't say never, but I'm saying if I take the majority, it's complaints, it's disagreements, it's arguments. Or they just never come back, <laughs> whatever the case may be. For instance, a sermon application from 1 Thessalonians 5.11 might be to encourage one another. If taken seriously, the sermon creates the common knowledge to coordinate the actions of the entire congregation towards the specific application. Individual believers are reminded they should encourage others, but they're also aware everyone else who heard the sermon heard and internalized, heard and internalized the same message. This can create a network effect in which churchgoers are more apt to apply the sermon because they know others are expecting to be applying it too. So you mean they're going to feel some pressure to conform? That's that's conformity. I would don't, don't, just go back and listen to what we did last night on the book of Jeremiah. Uh, this is one reason preachers need to know their congregations to help determine what coordination problems need to be solved through the specific application of biblical text. I don't know. The purpose of sermons is often missed because we tend to view them and other aspects of communal worship from an individualistic perspective. We think primarily about how we should apply the message of the sermon as individuals rather than as a congregation. Sermons are indeed a tool God uses to conform individual believers into the image of Christ, yet God primarily intends to conform them as a part of a community. We see this even even in Scripture, as most of the epistles in the New Testament are directed towards congregations rather than individuals. 9 verses 4. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I've, I've never, I've never felt the communal aspect of a sermon. I hear the sermon and then I go home and I think about it and look up other things and study. And, 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 and now if, if there's someone to talk to about it, great. I had, I did have certain situations in my life where may, uh, one of the guys I went to Bible Institute uh, with lived with us. So we would talk about it. Um, then there was a time where a, a lot of people in the military who went to church with me basically were at my house 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There was all these young airmen at my house. We would talk sometimes about the sermons. But most of it has always been individualistic. And then if I tried to talk to anyone in the church about the sermon, they didn't either have nothing to say of anything, of any substance, or they didn't even remember. And you know they wouldn't remember because the next Sunday when the pastor does review questions, nobody has a clue what's going on. Or if you're like in a Sunday school class and there's like a, a, Bible, a Bible study guide they give you and you're supposed to read that guide and then come back next Sunday ready to talk about it, you'd come back next Sunday and you could tell that nobody in the class had a clue what's going on. And you would be like, did no one? And people would start talking and I would be always the one going, did anyone actually read the study guide? Did anyone even bother? And I would get irritated. So where's the communal aspect in that? I don't know about this. I'm trying to hear. I'm trying to hear it. In, in a perfect world, wouldn't it be great? The pastor stands up. <clears throat> We're going to be studying the book of Jeremiah. I would like everyone to read the book of Jeremiah and do the following assignment. And then the next Sunday you come in and here's everyone there. Hey, pastor, I looked all of that up. Here's my assignment. Hey, pastor, I've been reading Jeremiah. Like, hey, pastor. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait till we get to chapter eight. I had this serious question here or, or phone calls. Hey, pastor. Okay. I'm working on the assignment. Wouldn't that be in the perfect world? That would be, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. 
doesn't work that way, at least in my estimation. What I've heard argued is that most churches claim that a lot of this really like getting it and learning it and applying it can't occur in the setting of the normal Sunday morning sermon. That's why churches without fail created small groups because see, this is not how we got to get small groups. We got to try to build this, this sense of com- a communal relationship, maybe because it's not happening in the sanctuary. So then, so I've all, I've been told basically since the 1990s, that's why you have to have small groups. You got to have small groups. You got to have small groups. You got to have small groups. This won't work from the preaching from the pulpit. You got to do this in small groups. You got to do this in small groups. You got to build those relationships, but then the small groups become nothing more than basically basically a social club. They go on to say, I'm, yeah, I'm losing my mind here. This is just driving me crazy. When a person regularly engages with the sermon apart from the congregation, this aspect of common knowledge and shared experience is lost. So if I'm regularly engaging the sermon apart from the congregation, I'm like, if I'm home, I'm reading it, I'm studying it, I'm thinking about it. Well, then guess what? Common knowledge and common and shared experience is lost. Oh, it's my fault. I shouldn't have went home and engaged the sermon. No, maybe blame everyone else who didn't engage the sermon. The effect of the sermon on the individual hearers become more akin to a lecture. While both sermons and lectures are one too many, are one to many forms of communication, says similar, a lecture imparts knowledge and addresses each person in the audience as an individual learner. Such information can be useful and even edifying. But we should acknowledge the medium of watching it online transforms the sermon from a message for a group to a message for an individual. Now, I don't even know if I believe when I turn on this microphone, I'm speaking to as many people as possible, but maybe it comes across more individualistic. I don't know. I, uh, it becomes not a sermon, but a lecture. And we still need to hear sermons. Because we need to be a part of a community. See, see, so it's not a sermon unless you're sitting in a pew with a bunch of other people. Then it's a sermon. If it's not that, then it's a lecture. I, I am not following this. I am not following this. I have never for one second. And this, this, look, this may be my own. Look, I'm, I'm willing to admit that a lot of this may be me, right? Because I've always been very individualistic. I've always been nonconformist, always very much a loner, right? So I never like, when I go to a church, I don't care who's there, not there. I'm not paying any attention. Preach the sermon. I'm listening to you. You've got my full attention. I'm taking notes. I'm looking up every reference of scripture you're giving me. I'm not going to sit there and, and go like, well, when the pastor is speaking, I'm not going to keep, I'll keep reading. No, no, I'm not going to read. I'm not looking at a phone. I'm like, I'm going to pay it. I'm going to look at that pastor right in the face. And when he tells me to look at the scripture, fine. When he tells me to stop, I'm looking at him. I'm going to show him respect. I'm going to show him reverence that he's the speaker. I'm going to learn everything. And then I'll go home. And if there's anything else I want to read, anything, then I will. I'm paying attention to the person speaking. I'm not sitting there doing whatever. I've seen so much disrespect how people treat pastors when they preach. Drives me crazy. But I don't really care about there's three people to my right, four people to my left, five people behind me, three people in front of me. I, I, I don't even pay attention. Who can, I don't know what they're getting. I don't know what if they're even listening. I don't know. I know most of the time in my Christian life, they're not going to remember the sermon. So how does that impact me? Oh, Oh, did you feel it? I felt it. We're in a community. We're sitting next to each other. Now it's a sermon. I was worried that it wasn't going to feel like a sermon and only feel like a lecture. But now that you're next to me, it feels like a sermon. I'm not, I'm not following. I'm no, I know I'm being a little sarcastic. Um, During the pandemic, concerns for safety and welfare of our people often made it necessary to shift to preaching online. Similarly, there will always be people who are unable to, because of illness or trauma, to hear preaching in the congregational setting. But those who are able to, to, for those who are able, should heed the command of Hebrews by not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. 
We should try as much as possible to hear sermons in the way God intended in person with other believers. Now, I got no problem if you want to use Hebrews 10, 25. If you want to use Hebrews 10, 25, I think maybe we should read the whole verse, though, and not rip it out of context, because people love to quote Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Maybe we should quote the whole thing. Hebrews 10, 25 not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. The day approaching is 70 AD. The Jews are about to be scattered all over the place and Jerusalem is about to be destroyed and that they were needed to meet more and more so to prepare themselves for this coming traumatic experience where their entire religious system was about to be no more. But they said, so the implication is not only not forsake the assembly, but it seems like it's implying that we should be meeting even more and more and more. So should we have more than a Sunday morning meeting and a Wednesday? Should we be meeting Sunday, Monday? No, everyone just says, don't forsake the assembly. Nobody wants to add meetings. But I got no problem if you want to argue, don't forsake the assembly. That's why people should be here. Then just, but to try to create this, that somehow it's not a sermon. This communal thing makes it more like it more. There's a coordination problem in the sermon. Uh, what is all? None of that. I, 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 I'm sorry. From a purely pragmatic standpoint, I can, I can sit there with the Sermons 2.0 app and all day. Oh, live broadcast. In fact, I'm going to open up the Sermons 2.0 app right at this moment. It's Thursday evening. 8.51 p.m. If I can unlock my iPad, all right? It's Thursday evening, July the 13th. I'm going to open up the Sermons 2.0 app. There's currently happening right now is this. Okay, well, their volume is completely down. Someone is singing, but there's a church in, if I can get this to close, um, Stevensville, Montana, that they're having a service. I don't know why the volume is, you can't hear it, but there's someone singing. And then there is a church in Mexico. And then of course, there's I'm currently live. But even if you don't want to look, wait for the live sermons, there's the featured sermon, Did Jesus Lie in John chapter seven, verse eight. And if I go to Discovery, newest series, trending, See, do I have the, uh, I don't think it has new sermons here. Um, let me see here. Is it under search? No, it's not there. All right. But if I go, let me see, does they have new sermon? Newest sermons right here. If I go see all, newest sermons. Okay, I don't know how many's here, but there is plenty. Convicting rest, part one. Romans chapter seven. Let thy mercies come to me. Jonathan Sermon, Jeremiah 8 through 11. Ooh, someone else is working on the book of Jeremiah. I may need to go to review that. For beauty and for glory, how sin kills and the court of our God, trusting Jesus for who he is, concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, the temple and the king. What is a biblical church? Revelation part four, the blessed man forgiven. The Lord will provide reward to the weakest, the secret of contentment. Into your hands, I commit my spirit, the triumph of the cross. Rejoice in the Lord. Habakkuk 1, or Habakkuk, Habakkuk 1, the principle of association, a song at the dedication of the temple, hearing him call unto me, God has blessed America, how to have a genuine joy, read through the Bible in a year, seven steps of thanksgiving, the remnant that stayed right, union with Christ, the gospel of Christ, run the race, the voice of the Lord, ransom service for us, the invisible war. Um, April 30th, 2023. Don't know what that is. First Thessalonians 5, 6 through 8. The Messiah's atonement. The Lord's self-proclamation. A comfort. The fear of the Lord. The beginning of knowledge. Enoch walked with God. Jonah. Revival or judgment. God's name. The Lord our righteousness. God reigns over the heathen. The importance of the church. Hopelessness without God. April 23rd, 2023. I don't know what that is. A time to mourn. Do you miss the, did you miss the end of the world? Lessons about the second coming. Leviticus 19, 1 through 10. How to become a reprobate, part four. Which will be, which will it be? Condemnation or restoration? The terrible dangers of apostasy. The amazing story of grace. The house of prayer. The benediction of peace. The spirit and the flesh. 
the consequences of uh, rejecting God. Psalm 6, warning against idleness, a new low of depravity, a miracle of the cursed fig tree. I mean, I can go, I mean, I don't even know how many sermons are here. There's so many. I could just sit there and listen for 50 hours. Now, do those somehow don't do the same thing because they're online? Now, I'm not trying to undermine the importance of the church. I've already talked about that. Hey, without people, the church will cease to exist. And and many of those sermons that you're listening to there won't exist because those churches won't exist. So I'm understanding that. I just don't know if I have to create this. There's a coordination problem and common knowledge will fix the coordination problem. But the only way common knowledge occurs is when people hear the sermons together in the pew, because then those people will know what they're supposed to focus on all week. And then they'll go focus on it all week. What are you talking about? That it's not a sermon unless you hear it in person. It's a, it's a lecture. And lectures, well, they have some spiritual benefit, but not the benefits of a sermon. Like that just seems like a lot of made up reasons other than to me, instead of trying to make up reasons saying, well, from a pragmatic human standpoint, I mean, I'd understand why the church even exists, right? Why, why are we paying for the buildings and paying for all of that upkeep when if someone will support an online ministry, they can probably do more teaching and provide more ministry for a whole lot cheaper than you can with paying the building, the property, the upkeep, electricity, staff, I, name a church out there. I can, I guarantee I can probably produce more teaching in a week than most churches pr- produce in six months at the fraction of the cost. Now that's a pragmatic approach. Biblically, you can say, well, Christ ordained the church. The church is the ordained institution. Therefore we can't do away with the church. And he calls us to be a part of it. And, and okay, that's fine. We, we may not understand it, but we can at least see it. But you don't have to make up, sounds like made up reasons. And I think we also have to be uh, honest with the effectiveness of the church. I think we have to be honest with it. Instead of pretending that something greater is happening. I don't know. You can give me your thoughts about all of it. News, if at yahoo.com. Obviously, I, I took this to be very, it just brought up a lot of my, I've had lots of frustration with church in my Christian life. I really have. Sometimes I'm like, what is even the point of it? What, what is going on here? And maybe I shouldn't be so negative. But then I've been a pastor. <laughs> and then you start asking, you know, I could probably get up here on a Sunday and go, that's the sermon. One, I don't know if anyone would even realize that I went, the whole sermon. And two, they probably, when they got relief, say, that was a good sermon, Pastor. And then <laughs> I could do it next Sunday. I, I, I've often joked, I could preach the same sermon 10 times in a row before anyone, I think, even realized what was happening. And there was there has been articles about pastors who did just that kept preaching the same sermon until someone caught on, which is horrifying. <laughs> that could happen. That's horrifying. That's, that's hor- I mean, that's horrible to even think that pastors out there go like, I'm just going to preach the same sermon for multiple weeks until someone goes, I think that's the same. You think I've only preached it for a month, but thank you for finally catching on, right? I don't know. What do you think? Hey, look, here's what I know. You've got your experiences. Your experiences may completely contradict mine. So by all means, share them. Or your experience may confirm mine. I don't know. But at least we can just be, I just think we just need to be blunt and honest with it. That's that's all I know. And, and, that, and that, that's not to be mean. I'm not pointing out any specific church. I'm not pointing out any specific pastor. I'm just talking about the reality of what I've seen. All right, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. And we are currently promoting a couple of things. Please check out our pod page, theologycentral.net, theologycentral.net. You can leave a review of the podcast there. We do appreciate that. Someone did that this afternoon. Thank you so very much for doing that. That's so awesome. And 
If you haven't downloaded the Podorama app, P-O-D, P-O-D-U-R-A-M-A, Podorama. This is a, a podcasting app, Google, Apple, uh, Windows. It's, it's a cross-platform podcasting app. Podorama, P-O-D-U-R-A-M-A, P-O-D-U-R-A-M-A. If you'll download that app, look for Theology Central Podorama, and you can leave us a rating for each episode and write a little review or a comment there as well. We would really appreciate that. Pod-U-Rama, Pod-U-Rama, P-O-D-U-R-A-M-A, Podorama. All right, listen and check it out, all right? There we go. I think that's everything for now. And hopefully that was at least challenging. Oh no, I'm, I'm, I'm a little discouraged, a little frustrated. Maybe later we'll, we'll switch it up and do something else. Maybe. I don't know. Got to figure out what I want to do the rest of the night. But there you go. Newsif at yahoo.com. Everyone have a wonderful rest of the evening. And if you have the Church One app, Church O-N-E, that's Church O-N-E. If you'll download that app, look for Theology Central. Got your notifications on. You'll know when I'm live. Sometimes it's 10 o'clock in the morning. Sometimes it's 11.30 p.m. at night. But whenever I can and whenever I have something I think that's worthy of your time, I turn on this microphone and go live and we talk about it. And that's a great thing. We don't have to schedule a church service. We can just go live and talk about it. We can review sermons, talk doctrine, theology, Bible study, devotion, current events. We can do anything. I think that's the beautiful thing about technology. All right, go. Go. What are you still doing? Go. All right. Have a good evening. God bless.